On this episode of Resi Week, Wave merges with Avid, the presidential alert sets off glass break sensors, and kitchen technology is the new frontier. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 140, Crack the Code. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on, and by Audio, a leading manufacturer of professional PTZ cameras, Pro AV solutions, and UCC integration systems. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for avianation.tv and today i'm pleased to be joined by the one and only richard fergosa he's the founder and principal of fergosa design how are you sir good mellow west coast greeting guys i'm glad to be here this time thank you for joining us we also have stephen bronner he is the president of pro audio georgia how you doing bud outstanding all the way across the country east coast greetings to you guys very nice and last but not least rounding out the middle we have tim albright he is the ceo and founder of aviation.tv how are you bud i am well sir how are you good we've got like all four quadrants we got north south east west everything well, I'm, I'm in the middle i'm not north or south or east or west. I'm, I'm working it here come on and i don't i don't know if you heard it but he called you round too that's not very nice well it's a fat joke which is appropriate so <laughs> no i, I just it, buddy. hey if it came in and that's where you took it there you go. Let's jump right in, gentlemen, to the first story that comes to us today from Residential Systems. Wave Electronics is going to merge with Avid. The new company will be headquartered in Houston, Texas, and serve residential and pro-AV markets. Uh, Rich, I want to start with you on this. Um, Avid's been a big mover and shaker for, for quite a while. Uh, this continues to add to their uh, locations and and prevalence is there any negative takeaway from this move the only takeaway relatively speaking and then we've talked about this before is that you have a departure from local service oriented distributors you know the old basically the old rep model um, mm-hmm. a lot of times the distributors when they started out uh, tended to be manufacturers reps who were looking to offer services beyond just the lines that they had uh, so the concern always becomes when you centralize um, the process and, and you become a larger national organization, you're going to lose some of those local roots. You're going to lose some of the regional differences. Um, it, 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 but it's a flip. You know, Obviously, a large organization is going to have um, more buying power, which typically translates into better pricing for the dealer market that, or you know, the distributor market that's coming through. Sometimes, though, it becomes at the cost of what, um, you know, in personal service, and especially in the custom industry, there's a lot of times that when you're dealing with distributors, at least some of the smaller ones, that you were getting engineering support, you were getting sales support, you were getting on-hand support from uh, trained technicians that potentially as you get larger, you start going into a call center. You start going into somebody who isn't even in your region, but their desk, their, their sales desk, um, is going to be dedicated to, say, the West Coast. Um, you do get the benefit, though, of expanded hours, potentially shipping. You know, so it's, it's a double-edged sword. There's, there's always going to be some pros and cons to growth like this. Um, 
My hope is that they continue the same philosophy that they've had in terms of the dealer support. They do work on training. They do work on providing software tools. They do work on their web page. And we're seeing more and more of it. I mean, you're, you're seeing more and more of a web page presence being the, um, the, the initial entry point in the portal and kind of where everything gets done. And then dealers are picking up the phone second where, you know, 15 years ago, it was the other way around, uh, you know, or people are still doing a whole lot of will call. Um, but you know, you're seeing more and more that dealers are trying to find ways to have equipment drop shipped, um, to a site, not necessarily warehousing. So, uh, I've got a wait and see attitude with it. Um, I've had a good relationship with Avid. Um, I Wave is a little bit outside of the West Coast, so I haven't had as much experience with Wave at this point. Um, but you know, in terms of the experiences that I have had, they've all been positive. So it was inevitable. I mean, it's more and more we're seeing this with the manufacturers in the industry. It's it, you know, it's not surprising that we were going to see it with the distribution side. Very good, Stephen. When you look at this and you look at a map at their locations, Wave seems to be fairly extensive through the, definitely the lower uh, half of the U.S. with very limited in, in the North. Is it surprising that this merger didn't come with someone who has uh, different locations? Because when you look at Avid's map, by contrast, there's a lot of those locations that are very similar. Um, I don't know if I would say it's really surprising. I would say uh, brace yourself because this isn't the last joining of the forces here. I am, I'm thoroughly convinced that Wave and Avid offered a different kind of service, a different, different focuses. So what's gonna happen is Avid's customers are gonna benefit from what Wave does. Wave's customers are gonna benefit from the extensive product offerings that Avid has. So Avid had access to our products that Wave didn't, so what's going to happen here is some of those places are probably going to join a little bit. I don't think they'll be cutting anybody. I think they learned that lesson with Ingram Micro. But um, what I do think is that what you're going to see is as soon as this is over, probably within, I'd say, eight months to a year, we're going to hear about another one joining the force. Um, I wouldn't really be surprised if it was someone larger than Abbott, maybe Volutone or uh, someone like Capital Sales, someone like that that has – that, that offers a different thing because Wave and Avid have totally different business models. Volutone, Avid, and Wave have totally different business models. So if these guys play their cards right, they may be able to pick and choose the best features from every distributor and integrate it across the country. Maybe do Avid right the way it was before Ingram Micro. Tim, when you look at this, and, and we've been following merger acquisitions and all this jazz for quite a while. A long uh, time. A long time. Uh, the distribution side is is the newer side of this. Um, but you heard what, what Rich said. You heard what Steven said. And I, I got to take issue. When I see two locations in Fort Lauderdale, I don't understand fiscally why they would keep two locations. So when you see this as somebody who follows in the same the same city, like Fort Lauderdale is big, but it, it's, it ain't that big. Um, when you see this and you hear what both of, both of these guys said, following MAs the way we have, is this something that you look at and say, yeah, they're going to close one of those locations? They're totally going to close one of those locations. Uh, 
<laughs> and, and, and let's be honest, they may close both and open a, uh, and open a, a completely separate one, uh, obviously, depending on, on what the ownership structure is of each individual the building, right? Let's look mm-hmm. down the brass tax, um, depending on whether or not they, they're leasing it and how long that lease is for and whether or not they can get out of it. Um, yes, there will be a, a, a period of time between here and, and when they close it, that they will absolutely, you know, maintain both locations. Uh, but they will eventually will become a consolidation of resources. Uh, we've seen this with various M&As, whether that's on the manufacturing level, where you have manufacturer A buying manufacturer B, they both kind of make similar products or identical products. One of those products will eventually go away. Same thing here with, with locations. They will eventually close one, if not both, and then maybe possibly open up a third. But the other thing about this is very interesting is you're opening up wave to a completely new uh geographic region now you mentioned the fact that they're primarily in, in the in the southern uh, states you're opening up them and you're opening up their their service model to the rest of the country which i think is going to be interesting to watch very good all right gentlemen let's move on to our next story of the day this comes to us from ce pro and probably affected the majority of you listening uh as long as you're in the continental u.s the presidential alert caused false alarm headaches. Uh, essentially, if, if you missed it, there was the first ever presidential alert that was supposed to be sent out to every cell phone nationwide in the U.S., and it was a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. The unexpected consequence of that was that uh, the the alert tone seemed to match or be very similar to the frequencies that set off glass break sensors for security systems. Thus, uh, when the, the alarm went off on the third, it also set off a lot of residential and commercial alarms. Um, Stephen, I want to start with you on this. This is one of those things where I, I don't think uh, any of us like we all knew this was coming. We knew this was happening. If you missed it, you've never listened to the news. Um, but I don't think any of us knew what this was going to sound like, if it was going to be like a traditional, you know, weather alert thing that comes across uh, mobile occasionally. Um, was there anything integrators could do, home, home technology professionals could do to alert their clients ahead of time that, hey, by the way, this tone should be coming to your phone and it might set off your alarm. We really didn't have any way to know that. Um, it's it's just a it, it's one it's another one of those examples. It's like whenever Zuckerberg went in front of Congress and they tried to talk to him about the internet. It was hilarious. This is what happens when a bunch of people that don't know what they're talking about get involved with a project and launch it without asking any questions. They could have stopped this whole problem by simply maybe calling someone and saying, "Hey." what does this frequency do? What does this sound do? So it's not that big a deal to me. I, I hear a lot of people, one of my favorite things is hashtag not my alert. Uh, but I, I just, I love, I, I have loved the meltdown over this alert. But other than that, it's just part of life, man. Nobody, you got to think about what we do for a living. Even guys that we work with on a regular basis have no clue what's going to happen when they hit that button for the first time. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you've got to, that's what separates us in our industry is, is those of us that know what that button does and those that don't, well, this is the same thing that just happened to our government. They put out an idea. They had no clue what was going to happen when they hit the button. So they were like, okay, well, let's just give it a shot. Boom. And they hit it, you know? (laughs) So I, 
Could it be prevented in the future? I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll change the frequency because it caused a big headache. But is there anything we could have done? Nah, probably not. People that don't, if you didn't know it was going to happen, getting an email from me, you probably wouldn't have read it anyway. So here's the thing. I I have to disagree with Stephen just one one point. I don't think they're going to change it. I, I don't think they give a care. I, I really don't. I, I mean, you, you mentioned Zuckerberg and, and Congress and, and trying to understand exactly, you know, how they, they make, they make money when, when they're on the Facebook, um, you know, the a, Facebooks on the Facebook, yes. the Facebooks that is transmitted on the tubes, on the tubes, way older, way older internet joke. Um, <laughs> kids go, go Google that. Yeah. You'll find that one. Um, I'll get right on it. Yeah, I, I don't think you're not a kid anymore. I, I don't think that the government cares, and here's the reason why. If if this was the auto industry and all of the auto manufacturers got together and got in the same room with the people who, who manufactured this and, and thought this was a good idea and was able to you know pr- apply pressure, maybe you would get movement on it. But this is the AV industry, right? This is yes, it's residential, and, and yes, there was a lot of, of homeowners that were involved. But I don't think you're going to have quite the groundswell um, of of noise uh, regarding this as you would, you know, uh, an election cycle or you know some other, you know, act by Congress. So I don't, I don't think that the government's going to do anything. So well, you know, many residential dealers are going to have to say, look, you might want to mute your phone if if you know this is coming. Now. Uh, you're just wrong. That's okay. <laughs> and it won't be the last time. Just I'm not the first. I, I would add the fact that the fact that they didn't even consult with the FCC, who is, you know, should have been an integral part of this. That it was it was ready, fire, aim. So at that point, when you're not even going to address the situation with the governing body of airwave broadcast who handles all other emergency broadcast system transmissions, but then just decided, you know, unilaterally to impose it again. It, there could be a very, there could be a variety of reasons of what stemmed this in the first place. It was haphazard. Um, it was not well thought out. And, and so what's going to wind up happening is that, you know, this is the after effect. It's everybody else's mess to clean up. It's not even a matter of, you know, will it get better? I, I agree with Tim. I don't think it'll get better. I think it will just be what it is. Um, I think that it was more potentially a proof of concept as opposed to a viable warning system to begin with. Um, you know, and then there's the tin hat, you know, the, the foil hat part of me that it goes, well, you know, how, how, how is my phone being tracked? How is that unilaterally being broadcast to it? How are they dealing with the telecommunications companies. You know, how is that information being tracked? Is that information logging to me only with, when I'm within U.S. cell towers? Is it something that's tracking me when I'm outside of U.S. cell towers? I mean, there it 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 creates more questions than it provides answers when a unilateral decision for this potentially for the common good, but it just wasn't explained. It was just said we're going to test this. Well, great. You know, we, there was the debacle in Hawaii that occurred with it the first time. You would think at the very least there were lessons learned from that. And if nothing else, that it would have been done in concert with the FCC. So, uh, you know, but, you know what, what, what stemmed the decision in the first place? Yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure, but I, I do agree with Tim. I think that there, there was no forethought. 
And because of that, I'm pretty sure there's not going to be a whole lot of afterthought either. No, there just, wasn't just a throw, ton of, of outrage. Now, just to throw a wrench into it, how do we know that they didn't consult with the FCC? And the FCC, who, let's be honest, doesn't really care about our side of the industry at all, said, oh, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Whatever. They did. They did. FEMA, FEMA works with uh, the FCC and they worked with the FAA to make sure it wasn't interfering with them. Um, but here's the thing. that Just because they work together, like Rich said, that doesn't mean they actually listen to each other. Like they may have called FCC and said, hey, we're going to do this. And FCC was like, we'll get back to you in seven to nine business days. And they're like, yeah, we're doing it tomorrow. <laughs> the other thing is, is so, uh, I, I mean, I, we're all assuming that the person that was doing this, this alert knew what frequency they were sending. That's an awfully big assumption, I think. So just to, to bring this full circle back to our industry and, and the non- And just for the record, the three U.S. citizens here, we're all going to be put on some list. Matt's probably going to be a bit on. I'm board. fine. I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. They couldn't find me. I My phone didn't go off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I turned mine off. <laughs> But just, just to bring this full circle back to us and, and our industry and how we, we can utilize this, is there value collectively from the three of you in sending out some sort of communication of, hey, just so you know, when you get these alerts in the future, there's a potential that it will set off this alarm. If it does, call your monitoring company or call us or, or whatever and let them know it's a false alarm. Or is that just over communication? It ain't going to hurt. Yeah, it's not going to hurt, right? It's not going to hurt. And, and I, I wasn't kidding when I said you, you might want to mute your phone if, if you know that one of these is coming. That way you Can don't you set mute off. your phone? Yeah. I, I, I thought the whole concept I, of this was that I, if it was I, muted, it wouldn't, it wouldn't now, matter. I, caveat, I, I have an iPhone and I'm on AT&T. So those two, understand those two um, things going in. But I, I can't tell you the last time my phone was unmuted. Um, and the, the, uh, the tone did not go off. Now, I got the alert, absolutely. Uh, and the little, the little message came up on, on, my, on my display, but my, the tone did not go off on my phone when it was muted. Look into the camera, my people. If your yep. phone does not have a switch <laughs> to turn it off, you, you may be in trouble. Yep. <laughs> I, I, yep. Honestly, I, I, I feel like I have my phone muted right now. I, it, it doesn't. And yet it still it went off earlier in the meeting. <laughs> it buzzed. Oh, uh, it's an aggressive so, buzz. Yes, it is. So, um, no, I think that I think that everybody here has an extremely valid point. I just feel like the reason why they're going to make some changes is because it affected the alarm industry. And uh, like it or don't like this administration, they're pretty big on law enforcement, listening to law enforcement. So they may or may not listen. But I think that um, I think that because it affected the law enforcement industry and the alarm industry, they may listen. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll be back in three months and we'll see if they listen. All right. We'll, we'll pay attention to that. All right, gentlemen, let's hit the last story of the day. This comes to us from the good people at Forbes and Jamie Gold. The next growth opportunity for home technology is, you guessed it, the kitchen. Uh, when you read through this, um, Jamie Gold is a contributor. She uh, writes about homes and health, and it sounds like she was at Cedia and uh, was following closely the uh, National Kitchen and Bath Association partnership with the City Expo uh, to essentially do the technology tours and uh, show 
designers how technology fits into essentially kitchen and bath spaces. When you read through the article, there's a couple of really interesting uh, numbers and, and figures in there, specifically that some of the features that are being recommended uh, by designers are mobile device charging stations at the tune of 66%, centralized lighting control at 45%, and automated faucets at 43%. Tim, I'm starting with you. Uh, which is entertaining because you're not an integrator at all. But no, but I, I so want an automated faucet. <laughs> but I have a system when I do these shows, so you're stuck being the the, the starter for this. Um, you were you were at CDU with us. Yep. Uh, you saw the 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 booth for the Kitchen and Bath Association. Uh, you heard all about the de design connected tour uh, going around. This is one of those things that it, it's kind of the the last forefront for technology in the home that has not really been uh, mined yet from professionals. We haven't spent a lot of time saying, oh, you should put some automated voice controlled faucets in your kitchen. We've stuck to the media rooms and the outdoor spaces and all that stuff. Seeing what you saw at Cedia, reading this article, is she on the money talking about how there's a great, if not incredibly large opportunity starting in the kitchen? There's a good opportunity, um, and I'm being careful with my adjectives here. Um, I noticed that. And I, I'm not kidding. I would love an automated faucet because They're I awesome. cook a lot. I'm a big guy. I like to eat. I like to cook. And there's a lot of times where my hands aren't exactly um, clean <laughs> or they're you know, filled with dough or some sort of other objects when you're, when you're cooking. Uh, yes, there are. Bacon. You know, there are you know, bacon, yes, bacon grease. Um, there, you know, yes, I could, I could have, you know, a, a uh, an IR faucet and turn it on, but my Alexa, one of my Alexas sits in in the kitchen. It would be very nice to say, Alexa, turn on the faucet, right? Absolutely, I would freaking love that. Um, does that make it a great opportunity? I don't think so, um, because one gay who in the middle of the country wants an automated faucet, that's not a great market. What is interesting, though, is she's, she's hit on something that we've kind of talked about this and talked around this. Emerald Expositions owns the CDA show now. They also own a kitchen and bath show. Um, at not just was there the kitchen and bath. The flagship show, not yeah. just a show, the, the show. The, the, not only was there the the booth there from the Kitchen Bath Association, but I think, I think Matt, you talked about this on the wrap up show with Cedia. Uh, Samsung brought a integrated smart uh, refrigerator to the show. Now, this is the, in the same booth that they had the 8K display and the wall that they were showing again, which again is freaking gorgeous. They had an, an integrated. Uh, refrigerator. So, the, you know, we're already seeing some of this um, introduction of the kitchen, of the, of the integrated and smart kitchens to this channel. Um, great opportunity? No, but this certainly is an opportunity and, and, and in a market and a segment where, you know, the dealers are trying to find different ways of, of recouping some, some lost margin on just selling boxes, whether that's services or whether that's, you know, something else, this is actually not a bad idea to say, Hey, you know, would you like some of the stuff in, in your kitchen to be smart and integrated with the rest of your system? Yeah. Very good. Rich. Um, when I, uh, there's a lot of really good information in this story, but one of the things that got me was, was this quote, uh, features that both designers and consumers are interested in include appliances and faucets that send failure and leak notices 
cooking appliance that sends overcooked or being intentionally left on and sensors that can track your food in, uh, inventory, et cetera. When you hear that, that some of that is the normal realm of what we do. The lighting control that we alluded to earlier, totally within uh, an HTP's realm. Automated faucets, maybe not so much, but the voice activation side, 100%. When you look at this from a, from a marketing standpoint, it might not be something you want to hitch your wagon to that, hey, I can sell you a faucet uh, that sends you a leak notice, but it's also a really good part of that, you know, living your life better story. Where does this, are we making much ado about nothing? No, I, I, you know, it's for integrators. It's always been a matter of how do you crack the code in a house? How do you crack the code with the design community? Um, Some integrators are better at telling that story than others. Um, The issue has always been when dealing with the design community is how do you package technology in a manner that it's approachable to people who view themselves as non-techie. You'll get that every time when you speak with somebody or with a designer. The first words that'll come out of their mouth is, I don't need anything fancy. I don't need anything. I just want it simple. And where we've always had an issue is we've never properly sold how simple works. What what that technology does ease that concept. They think of technology, they think of complication um, for a variety of reasons, you know, whether it's their, their phones or their tablets or all of the other things that are going on. And we're seeing this already with, with, with the GAFA push it, you know, I mean, look at the variety of the home assistants, right? You know, you've got the Google, you've got the Apple version, you know, um, Echo's trying, uh, you know, they're trying with the Echo show, um, you know, Facebook just day before yesterday released their um, unit that they are absolutely planning on being in every kitchen in the country. I mean, let's, let's not, you know, let, let, let's, let's take a look at where, you know, where is that place going to be? And the way the living styles have changed, um, the kitchen and the combined, the communal area, you know, um, that kitchen area is central to how people are living their lives. It, everything emanates out from it. And you can see that in the architectural trends in terms of open floor concepts. So it is a continued evolution of these spaces and how do you get yourself in these spaces? Um, by opening it up to designers, that is the sell. It's saying, you know, this has nothing to do with you can call grandma while you're cooking, um, you know, hands-free. It is what, what Tim was talking about. You want to be able to go in, your hands are full, how can you achieve a goal in there? How is it relatable that they see as an everyday occurrence as opposed to kind of a feature or something that would be nice? Um, and, and we're seeing it more and more with these activated devices. On the other side, where it's difficult for us, and just I think yesterday, uh, Rich Storger from ADA wrote a piece called um, you know, what are we doing necessarily to the sound in these spaces where he said, you know, not every toaster needs to be a speaker. And so we also <laughs> are on the flip side, which is we are also undercutting ourselves because we also are getting away from some of the premises of what we do as an industry as well. Um, and, and, and bridging that all together. You know, I, I think that it's a good stepping stone. Uh, I think that there are more products out there that are coming from outside the CI market that are making it more palatable for designers uh, and for homeowners to accept it into these spaces. 
Um, and I think it's now just a matter of training our integrators to be able to use that as a launch off point. And that's always been the sticking point. Stephen, uh, continuing to pull on that thread that, that Richard was talking about, if you're an integrator or a home, home technology professional who is not currently reaching out to kitchen bath professionals, design professionals in that realm, how do you tell that story of how technology can enhance their designs, enhance their customers' lives, uh, and, and really, you know, nail it home without going overboard into, ooh, we could hide an 80-inch TV behind your pantry? Uh, I don't know. I don't think anybody outside the design industry has quite figured out how to speak designer. But what I will say is, is that um, you're right about them wanting to keep it simple. Uh, the problem is, is that that is an extremely subjective term. And that is what I have run into in having that conversation is um, simple is very subjective. Simple to me is one thing to you is something else. So <clears throat> what I would challenge everyone to do, if you want to know what it would be like to have technology in everybody's kitchen, I would recommend you try going and watching the video, uh, Alexa Gold. Uh, it's a short done by SNL, and it is hilarious. Uh, it is exactly what I picture happening when we start putting these things in everybody's kitchen. Um, it goes everywhere from Alize, what's the temperature outside, um, Elena turned my TV channel. I mean, people, here's the thing. Pe people want things to be advanced when need to be advanced, but I like to cook. My wife likes to cook. If I filled her kitchen with technology, she would hit me with a pan. I, I'm not filling her kitchen with technology. She wants to keep it simple. I personally feel that that is one room in the house that I am perfectly happy staying away from. I'm not hungry. Uh, I'm eating well. My company's growing and I stay away from the kitchen. Yeah, we do lighting control. That's not quite the same. When I'm in the middle of cooking and I want the water to come on, but I, I've got noodles in the sink and I don't see the noodles. And I say, Alexa, turn on the water. And all of a sudden there's water dumping on my noodles because I have my back turned to the sink. I got to do that one time before Alexa goes in the trash can and I never say that again. So that's my opinion about the kitchen. I know there's money to be made, but we need to think about our client's lifestyle and how they're going to use the technology, not just try to sell them boxes. That's, that's not what we do. We're lifestyle engineers. We go out and we take this technology and we make it more fun and we integrate it. We don't need to try to put a box in every room. I just think that's a terrible idea. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. We're going to wrap it there. Uh, Rich, if people want to connect with you, where can they do that? Uh, well, you can obviously find me here at avnation.tv, either spending my time with you gentlemen or with my compatriot Steen, Steve Greenblatt over on the State of Control. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at rfragosa, or you can head on over, type my name into the intertubes, and <laughs> invariably things will wind up. Um, you know, and you know, if I can, I, at the very least, I can yell at you kids to get off my virtual lawn. Very good. Uh, Stephen, thanks so much for joining us from a website or a, a job site again. Uh, this one, not, not as uh, wit sec level, but notwithstanding. Uh, if people want to connect with you, uh, where can they do that? Uh, people can connect with me at proaudio underscore ga, they can get me at proaudiogeorgia.com. Uh, Pro Audio underscore GA on Twitter, ProAudioGeorgia.com is the website. 
uh, you can reach out. Um, I'm pretty much on every major site, every industry. Um, and I will say this, um, do yourself a favor and try to figure out if you think Mark Zuckerberg made it out of that chamber without having to set up somebody's Wi-Fi. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Tim, on that note, uh, if people want to connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, what we're doing, uh, and hear you complain about the Blues and the Bears, where can they do that? There is no complaining about the Bears right now. They're number one team in the NFC. Central, thank you very terrible, much. Terrible division. Terrible division. How the Cowboys do? Yeah, we suck. Okay. Right, so you can find me on oh, yeah, no, no, we're terrible. The Tim David Albright on the Twitter. Play on play. Yeah. Uh, and the, the Blues aren't doing I – mean, they're, they're, they're having a rough start, but they're, they're, it's a long season. Very good. Thanks, gentlemen, again, for joining us. Uh, for myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and many other social platforms. But more importantly, please stop by avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 